Well, good evening, everyone. We're going to have a good time tonight. Are you ready to receive from the Word of God? Yeah, you look excited. So I want you to take a look at this if you hadn't got one. If you use something else to take notes on, then that's fine. And let me just explain a little bit of what happens on our Wednesday nights. We call it Equip and Disciple. For one thing, the Bible says we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we equip each other so that we can do what God has called us to do. And we get equipped by the Word of God and by His Spirit. So if you look on the inside, there's actually blank notes. So that way you take your own notes. Sunday mornings is a little bit different. We have our scriptures there. And Wednesday nights, we don't because we want you to bring your Bible. We want you to kind of get into your Bible and and flip through the pages. Or if you use an electronical uh, device, then you can use that at the same time. But uh, this is just another way for us to be equipped and then to be discipled. Uh, We believe this, that everything we do is discipleship. Everything we do is discipleship. Everything we do here is discipleship. Somebody who's running a camera or uh, upstairs doing the slides or in the children's ministry or cooking or cleaning, that's a part of discipleship. Because isn't it true that we learn a lot more on the battlefield than we do in the classroom? I mean, we could have went to... Four years of college, studied everything we can about the career that we're going to head into. And that's good because it gives you a, a sound foundation to build off of. But once you get into the workplace, now you begin to apply what you've been learning. And now you have to tweak some things. you got to redo some things. You have to relearn some things and unlearn some things. So that's how we see discipleship here at New Hope Hilo is that everything we do is discipleship. So when you come here on a Wednesday night, you're being equipped, but at the same time being discipled. And the discipleship part is whatever we learn on Wednesday night, whatever the Lord speaks to us, that we quickly apply it. Because the quicker you apply it, the more it will become a habit, lest we forget. Can you remember what you ate for breakfast? Some people can because it was nothing. I didn't eat anything. So sometimes our memory is so short But when it comes to the kingdom of God, when he speaks something and you write it down, be purposeful to apply that. That's what being equipped and discipled is all about. It's quickly applying the word of God. That way, we build this spirit person, the spirit man. When God is changing us more into his likeness and we apply those little things here and there, after a while, we begin to look more like Jesus rather than build up all of this knowledge and then we apply nothing. So that's what Wednesday nights are all about. It also gives us that middle-of-the-week boost when our spirits are kind of feeling a little laggish or or a little left behind or you're you're feeling a little down or you're feeling like your spirit is just being attacked. And the middle of the week comes up, Wednesday night, and we gather together as the saints so that we can worship together, so that we can pray together, so that we can honor God in our giving together as well as hear the Word of God. So you might learn from a paper and write down some notes. You go old school way. And when the batteries die out on your iPad or your phone, you still got your notes. So that's fine. Uh, But some of you will use your uh, iPads and whatever else you want to use. So that's what Wednesdays look like. Uh, For the past couple of months, what we've been uh, trying to do is trying to help with building what we call our small groups. And our small groups consist of maybe like six or eight people that would either do a Bible study or a devotional group, which is we go through the bookmarker. 
and we read through the entire Bible in a year. We call it doing our devotions. And then we journal and uh, pray together. And sometimes we'll share what the Lord is teaching us uh, in that group. And our Wednesday nights, we were breaking up into groups. And some of you were a part of that. And, and when we started that, the whole vision behind it was to start small groups. But what we found was because of our Wednesday night service, people were pulled not knowing where to go. And yes, we have our video where you can see our Wednesday night service, but it was just people were being pulled. And so we tried, we risked, and we thought maybe this might help with building small groups. And some small groups came out of it, but what we found is that when we gather together here on Wednesday nights, then this service is the main one, and we don't want to compete with other groups, otherwise everybody gets thrown off. So... Just to let you know, we're going to go back to our Wednesday night services like this instead of breaking up into groups, and then we'll figure out how to do our small groups. Uh, if you look at our board at our connecting wall, we have a couple of small groups there. And if you want to get involved in one, then do that. Uh, if, you, if you don't want to join a small group because you don't know anyone, then start one with people you know. It's that simple. I would say that the best way to start a small group is doing your devotions. Just getting into the Word of God, grab a bookmarker, and then go through your devotions together. And the, the neat thing about doing your devotions is you would sit down with three or four people, and then you would, for the first 20 minutes, just read the bookmarker. And then for the next 20 minutes, you journal what you wrote. And then maybe for the next 20 minutes, you just share among your friends what you learned. And the neat thing about that is you may have gotten a gem or, or some kind of gold nugget that you could say, oh, this is so good for my life. But when you share it, if there are three or four of you guys, now you leave with three or four prized gems. You leave with learning from each other. That's what the Bible calls iron sharpening iron. You help one another and you leave there richer. And this is probably one of the only groups, a devotional group, that will ever meet together where for the first 40 minutes, no one speaks. No one talks. Imagine that for 40 minutes, you just sit and you listen to the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we'll meet and we we'll say, oh man, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. And you just talk and then you don't have time to get into the Word and you say, oh, let's, let's pray. We got to go. And you pray. You missed everything that God wanted to give to you. So the, for the first 40 minutes, you don't even speak. You just let God speak to you. If you look at these, uh, I'm not sure if you grabbed one of these, but these are at the door. These are called My Next Steps. And it just takes you through your walk with Christ in an easy, practical way to show how you're doing with these steps in the Lord. Because one of the first things you're going to find is your your relationship with Christ, that you accepted Jesus. That's the first step. And that is a step that only God can do. Only God can do that. Only, only God can stir our hearts in such a way that he's going to draw us to himself. I know as parents, we try to push our kids and we, because we want the very best for our kids. We try to encourage them, you know, develop your relationship with the Lord, which is great. I'm not saying not do that. But only God can actually change the heart of a person. And so that first step is accept Jesus. The second one is to attend church weekly. And we talked about that on Sunday, that when we attend church weekly, it's like, it's like our relationship with Jesus continues to thrive. And we continue to fall more in love with Jesus because we are continuously falling out of love. 
So we have to have something set in place so that we can continue to build our relationship with Jesus. So that's the second step. The third step is to discover new hope. And that is a, probably about a two-hour uh, class time that you're going to learn about our church. You're going to learn about our core values. You're going to learn about the heart and vision of our church. You're also going to learn how to read the Bible and what the Bible is all about. And you're also going to learn how to do devotions uh, as well as water baptism. And then the next step, your fourth step, is water baptism. Because now you have an understanding of what water baptism is. So now when you get water baptized, you're letting everyone know publicly that you believe in Jesus Christ. And then your fifth step is to join a small group or just make one. And then you have a small group. And then you can meet regularly. And then your sixth step is to join a ministry of some kind. Whether it's serving on the worship team or helping in the kitchen uh, with our children upstairs, our sound team or our multimedia team or in the parking lot. Everyone is gifted to serve somewhere. Everyone. You might be thinking, I, I have no gifts. I absolutely have no gifts at all. Well, then we can find a gift for you somewhere. There's, if you can carry a music stand, oh, you're a big help. You're a big help. Because we're doing this together for the kingdom of God. You're not serving the pastor or people, although they're included in it. You're not serving New Hope Hilo Hawaii. You're serving who? The Lord, our Savior. And that's your sixth step. In fact, tonight we conclude our series being spirit-filled and spirit-led. And then we're going, we're going to go through these six steps in our next series called My Next Steps. So you can open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to conclude tonight talking about being spirit-filled and spirit-led. But mainly we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit being the protector and the one that informs. He's the informer and protector. He's the one that brings to our our mind and our thought process, our life revelation so that we can see what's coming up in our lives and, and so that we can be ready for what's going to happen uh, in our lives. And when, he, when Jesus uh, gave us the Holy Spirit, when he said, I must ascend to heaven, otherwise the Holy Spirit will not come, the helper will not come, the disciples didn't really understand what he meant until the day of Pentecost. And we talked about that some weeks ago. That when the Holy Spirit came, everyone was wondering, well, okay, what is this new thing? And so they began to understand that it was power from up on high. It wasn't something that could be bought. It wasn't something that could be manufactured on the inside. It was something that God brought their way. So Romans chapter 8, I'll read from verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is 
enmity with, against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But if the spirit is life because of righteousness, oh, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So what the Bible is telling us is that there is a, there is a, a life to live that is according to the ways of God. It's not a life that we want. It's a life that God wants. And it's a life that when, when God sees for the future is going to challenge us. I mean, the moment you received Christ, that was the day you took on the challenge of the battle between flesh and spirit. Now, in the beginning, it's so, it's, it's so new, so everything is brand new, and you just want to do everything for God. And so your heart is so open, and you're so moldable and shaped, uh, easy to shape. And so you're like clay, as the Bible says, moldable. And then as time goes on, for, for some reason, sometimes we can become hardened and what God used to do in the beginning, which was easy, now becomes a little bit more difficult. And if you've ever worked with clay, one of the key ingredients when trying to mold something, or if you have a table, a turntable, and you're on a, a wheel, and you're, you're turning that thing, and you're trying to make a vase, what is one of the key ingredients? Water. You need water. And without water, the clay becomes hardened. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. He waters us so that we can continue to stay moldable. Listen, we will never reach perfection here on this earth. Never. So we continuously need to be molded. That's why we need the Holy Spirit as the one that informs us as well as protects us. And he shows up at just the right times. He teaches us because he's the informer. And he's the one that's going to protect us. Some of you will fall into those categories. When you were growing up, maybe you were someone who always protected someone else. Maybe you were the, the bully or maybe you were the one who could fight really good and so you protected everyone else. Or maybe you were the informer. You were the one that uh, would tell on people. Maybe you were the one who would talk behind people's back and, or you would tattletale, right? That's what we call it. Or you have like a brother or sister and you have maybe a couple of them, two or three of them or, or, or nephews or, or grandchildren. And there's always one that's the informant. And they'll come and they'll say, Papa, 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 look at what they're doing. They're doing this. And you're thinking, what, why, why are you got to tattletale? Why are you tattletaling? Why do you have to tell them? Because, Papa, they're not playing with me. They're not doing this. So they'll, they'll, they'll tattletale or they'll, they will inform. And then as they grow up, if they don't get rid of that, they only become an informant, someone who just says what is happening. Now, nothing wrong with giving information. I mean, if our children were in trouble and the informer came, you're thankful for that informer. You're thankful that they would come. Oh, um, they're playing with matches. You're not going to say, well, too bad. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna 
do something about it. And then you had the protectors. The protectors were the ones that sometimes they were calm and sometimes they were like a ticking time bomb. Uh, sometimes the protectors were the ones that they were uh, really rough or uh, we call them kolohe. They're just really rascal. And so whenever something would happen, the informer would tell the protector, then the protector would protect the one that is being beaten up. And so you would have the two put together. And so when we were growing up, you would either fall into one of those categories. Now, not, don't raise your hand, but how many, don't raise your hand. How many of you are informers? Okay, just think in your mind. Well, man, that could be me. Think of yourself at work or at school. Are you an informer? Or, don't raise your hand, are you a protector? Are you one that protects people? That when something is happening and injustice is happening or something is taking place, then you, you, you get angry. And then you want to you go beat people up and you say, oh, they ain't, they ain't, they ain't gonna, that's not going to happen under my watch. No way they're going to treat so-and-so like that. You're the protector. Many of you grew up, in fact, my sister is a year older than me. She was my protector. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't care if my sister fought some battles for me. I just didn't know. Like I had a, a friend in, in one of our classes. I think it was electronic, like an electronic class. I know there was a lot of electronic things around we used to play cards in that class, and the teacher would always get frustrated with us because we weren't doing the work. And so one day while we were playing cards, uh, we were winning, and I threw down a card. We were playing trumps, and my friend got mad because I threw it down by accident. And I said, oh, can I pick that up now? If you're tr playing trumps, right, there's no way you're picking that back up, right? It's like, no, you got it down. It's down already. I said, no, I just threw it by accident. And then he said, no, once you throw it down, it's down. I said, but I, no one else threw. It was just an accident. It's the wrong card. So you understand. If you're competitive, you would have said the same thing. You would have been like, too bad. I don't care if you're the pastor. Pick that card up. So I, I picked it up, and, I, and then he said, no, play that card. And I threw it down. I said, and I, this is what I said, there you go, you baby. That's what I said. That's, that's exactly what I said. And then I just saw his face turn red. And then he slapped me right in the face. And he just, and I didn't know it hit me. All I remember was, and then he stood up and he walked out. And I was like, did he just slap my head? My friends were like, oh, yeah, he did. And then I don't know how, but my sister found out. And my sister had a lot of friends that were guys. Uh, her, her, a lot of our relatives played football. And so she had a lot of guy friends. Come the next recess after lunch, here comes that guy coming up to me. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, how am I going to get back at this guy? I'm going to do something to his car. I'm going to do something to his locker. I'm going to find him when he's sleeping. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to do something. And he was older than me, so I'm thinking, I don't want to mess with this guy. So I see him walking down one of the hallways, and I'm thinking, oh, great. Now, now what's going to happen? He came up to me and said, oh, oh, Sheldon, I just like, uh, just like to say I'm sorry. And I'm looking up at him, and I'm thinking, what? He said, yeah, I, I just, like, apologize. You know, I got mad because, you know, it was intense at a game, and, I, you know, I was just getting frustrated. So I just, like, say I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I'm thinking, oh, okay. Uh, I'm good with that. And I said, yeah, that's fine. And then I walked away, and I'm thinking, why would he do that? Well, I found out that because my sister found out, she walked up to him. And this is what my sister did. She told me later. She said, yeah, I walked up to him and I said, did you slap my brother in his head? And he said, yeah, why? She slapped him in his head. 
protect her. And so she told him, don't mess with him. If you do, she said other things, but basically worse things was going to happen to him. Everyone has what we call the protector. Now, yeah, I'm not for that. I'm not for violence. I'm not for my sister doing that. And, and yeah, at that time I was happy. But when I look back at what God has done in my life and the Holy Spirit coming into my life, I tend to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is not the one that starts slapping people around. But the Holy Spirit comes to inform me on what's going to happen so I don't get slapped around. The Holy Spirit informs me and protects me so that when the devil comes around, he starts smacking the, smacking the devil. And he can tell the devil that this one belongs to me. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's your protector. He's your protector. He's your guide unto all truth. Let's read what the Bible says. If you have your Bibles, turn to John 14, verse 26. And we're going to review a couple of things that we've been talking about in the past couple of weeks. John 14, 26. The Bible says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And so we also talked about that the Holy Spirit is always moving. The Spirit of God is always moving. And we tend to use that word, the Holy Spirit moving, when we see things happening. We see lives being changed. We see people being touched by His Spirit. Or, or during a worship time that you just sense the Holy Spirit moving. And normally when I say that, what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit is moving in me. Or if the Holy Spirit is not moving, then the Holy Spirit is not moving in me because the Holy Spirit is always moving. There's not one time when the Holy Spirit is sitting down and saying, oh, man, I, I'm too tired. I can't, I can't do this. I don't have the power to get all these people in one place and worship God. The Holy Spirit is always moving. The Holy Spirit is consistently at work. The question is not if the Holy Spirit is moving. The question is, am I moving with the Holy Spirit? Regardless of how I feel, regardless of the atmosphere, regardless of what's taking place in my life, regardless of what worship songs we sing, regardless of the prayer time, regardless of the circumstances that surround my very nature in who I'm being in the Lord, who I'm being called to be in the Lord. Regardless of all of that, the question is, am I moving with the Spirit? Because he's going to inform us and he's going to protect us. John 16, 13. You can turn the Bible two chapters over. It says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he shall show you things to come. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and, and shall shew it unto you. Which I'm, I'm reading out of the King James Version. See, the spirit of truth is the guide unto all truth because truth needs a guide. Truth needs a guide. Otherwise, if we just take truth, we can actually bend truth. We can make truth however we want it to be. We can make truth however, we, however it fits us to make it fit our needs. We can actually take what the word of God says and if not for the Holy Spirit, bend it to fit my flesh. Where it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, that he gave himself up for her. 
a wife can take that very scripture, and if the Holy Spirit is not leading and guiding it, not guiding that truth, then the wife can say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you are supposed to die for me. The Bible says you are the husband. So husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church that he gave himself up for. So you got to die to me. So I am going shopping right now. The Bible says you need to die to self. So you see how the spirit of truth can be twisted. It can also be twisted when the Bible says, wives, be submissive to your own husbands as unto the Lord. The husband can say, well, wait a minute. The Bible says you got to be submissive. you got to submit to me. So I say no. I say no. I'm putting my foot down. And I say no because the Bible says that. We can twist the truth however we want it if the Holy Spirit is not guiding us. He's the informer as well as the protector. What is he protecting in that instance? He's protecting your marriage. That if we try to use the word of God against each other and the Holy Spirit comes in and says, you're you're using it wrong. He's trying to protect our marriage. He's trying to protect our relationship with the Lord. If not for the Holy Spirit, we cannot worship God. We wouldn't know how to. We would go based on feeling and what feels good rather than the Holy Spirit conducting our worship. We learned about that. That we worship under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that, that helps us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to make certain decisions that we cannot do on our own in the flesh. The Holy Spirit will do that in our lives. He's the helper. He's the one that connects us to God. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to, is to empower us to live the Christian life that we cannot live outside of being led by His Spirit. We need the person of the Holy Spirit. He's going to counsel us. He's going to allow us to do what Jesus did. He's the one that directs us. He's the one that, that can tell us the differences between flesh and spirit. The Holy Spirit will be able to do that. We talked about the Holy Spirit. And, and when you're moving by the Spirit, you know you're moving by the Spirit or being led by the Spirit when, when you're giving. The flesh says, what can I get? The Spirit says, what can I give? What can I give so that this person is blessed? What can I give so that I can spend more time with so-and-so? What can I give? That's what the Spirit does. The flesh says, well, what can I get? Well, you, need, you owe me. You give to me. You, you owe me more time. You should be doing this for me. That's the flesh. The Spirit says, what can I give? Even though the Spirit and flesh are battling, the Spirit says, what can I give? See, we need the Holy Spirit Because every single relationship that we're in will only exaggerate the idiosyncrasies that you and I have, the behaviors that we have, the habits that we have. Just think about it. Without the Holy Spirit, if we're in a relationship, without the Holy Spirit, that relationship crumbles because we don't have enough feel, enough wisdom, enough practice to keep the relationship thriving. If we only go based on oh, you do for me and I do for you, someone's going to run out of fuel. But the Holy Spirit empowers us in our relationships because we're going to need his power. See, when when you're a single person, let's just say you're a single person, you're not married, and you live by yourself, you could care less what your house looks like. 
You can come home, destroy your clothes all over the place. No one's going to say a thing. You can turn on the TV, turn it on and change the channel. No one's going to say nothing. You can, you can make food and then leave the dishes there. No one's going to say anything. That's the beautiful side about leave, living a single life. You can make a, a mess. Nobody cares. Except you. I mean, maybe you have a max limit and you can say, okay, I got to do the dishes. It was there for five months. I got to clean something. Maybe. So let's just say you were single and that's how you live. And you built that habit. And then you get married. And then you move in together. And let's just say you were that person that, eh, whatever, I just, whatever. Doesn't matter. But you marry a clean freak. Well, then what would happen in the marriage? Oh, yeah, it, it wouldn't. It would, yeah. The first day would be horrible. First day. Now, I grew up not a clean freak, but I grew up, ah, an okay freak. It was just like, yeah, it was, it was okay if it was a little messy. But then when I married Heidi, you know, she's Portuguese, so everything was clean. And I mean that in the most humbling way, my lady. She, she liked to make things clean. When we washed dishes, we would wash the sink, wash the dishes, and then wash the sink. And then wipe the dishes and then put away the dishes. When I was growing up, you let them soak for three days. So well, this was new for me. So when we got married, things had to change. Now think about it. When we come into this relationship with Jesus, we were living a single life in the flesh. But now the Holy Spirit comes in. And the Holy Spirit is perfect. Perfect. But the good thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, what he won't do is start slapping you around because you're not doing a good job. What the Holy Spirit will do is encourage you to make subtle changes here and there because it's good for you. See, the, the, the closer you are to a relationship, the more magnifying these habits are, these idiosyncrasies that we have, these behavior patterns. The closer you are in a relationship, the closest relationship we'll have is with us and the Lord. That's the closest relationship. Not even your spouse is as close as your relationship with the Lord because the Lord knows everything that goes on in our hearts. So the closer you become to the Holy Spirit, the more of these idiosyncrasies will be magnified through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will see more and more of these behaviors. The farther you are in a relationship, the less people care. Like an acquaintance. Let's just say you're going shopping. But... You're in debt. You don't have money. You're trying to do a plan that, that is building up your savings. and you, So you're trying to be a wise steward over your finances. And let's just say you're going shopping and you see an acquaintance. And they see you. Let's just say you're a woman and you're shopping and you're looking for a dress or a shirt or something. And then you see your acquaintance. You, you met them a little bit. You don't know them that well. So your relationship is not that close. And they see you and you're shopping. Now, they don't know you're going through your debt and, and all of those uh, uh, hardships. But they see you and they say, hi, how are you doing? You say, good, shopping, yeah. What are you buying? Oh, I don't know. I was looking at this dress. Oh, I don't know. What they would say is, oh, that's nice, but uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Go get it. Just get it. That's what they would tell you. Just get it. Sister, get it. That's what they would say. Just get it. You earn, you earn the money. You earn it. You earned it. It's your money. You work, don't you? You know, they'll tell you whatever and then you'll get it. Or, 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 or if you're a guy and you see an acquaintance and you're buying something, uh, let's, just say it's a, a, let's just say it's a new fishing pole or it's a new golf set, a golf club set, or, or if it's new shoes or a new car, and it's just an acquaintance, 
and you're in debt and you're battling with that, you're trying to get, get good with your finances, when you see your acquaintance, they're not gonna, they're, they're not gonna say anything that's gonna try to help you. They're gonna ask you, oh, what are you doing? You're buying a new car. Yeah, bro, yeah, grab them. This thing is good. Upgrade, upgrade, sunroof, sunroof. Hey, you gotta drop it, you gotta put rims. What's your stereo? Ah, generic, that stereo. My, my friend, hook you up. And so they'll, they'll add more things on. That's an acquaintance. A friend would see you and say, that's a nice dress, but I don't think that one would match you. You know what would look better? This one. That's what a friend would do. A friend would say, oh, you buying that car? Oh, cool, but I don't know. that. You know, the stereo system, not that good. You might want to look into another car, maybe cheaper. You know, you have children. You got to think about car seats. That's what a friend might do. A real close friend might challenge you. A real close friend might say, Hey, I thought you were trying to be on a budget. I thought, yeah, yeah, I was trying. And they might try to talk you out of it. That's a close friend. Now, your spouse is different. You, they would see you shopping. They'd go, what are you doing? Ah, uh, shopping. No way. Get out. That's what your spouse would say. Yeah, put that back. That's what your spouse would say. Or they would say, you don't need that. No, I do. I, I need more shoes. You don't need more shoes. You got like 80 shoes. No, no, no. I need more shoes. I work and I need shoes. No, you don't need, need me more shoes. No, no, no. I, I, need, I need another dress. You, you have like 50 million dresses. No, old. They're like three months old. So I got to get something. See, your spouse would say something. Why? Because they're that close to you. Now imagine the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will say things to you that you may not want to hear because he's that close to you. The Holy Spirit is that good. When you're filled with his spirit, you're going to be led by his spirit. He's going to tell you things to come. That's what the Bible says. I will show you things to come. Whatsoever things he shall hear. That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. See, the Holy Spirit must show it unto us because we can't see it. <laughs> Some time ago, Heidi came up to me and she said, there's something irritating my finger. I think it's a splinter. Now, have you ever had a splinter? It's just irritating. You'd rather have a huge gash on your finger than a tiny little splinter. So she came to me and I said, where is it? And I did one of these. I was like, I was like, wait a minute. No way did I just move back because my eyesight is still good. And so I tried to look at it and sure enough, there was a tiny little splinter. And so, you know, I got some things and, and trying to take it out. And it was so small that I had to use a needle just to take it out. And finally when it was out, you know, that, that irritation is now gone. And when that tiny little splinter is out, doesn't it feel like the greatest thing in the world? It's like, yes! I cannot, look, look, I can eat now in my fingers. I can, oh, that's so good. Oh, I can, oh, I can, oh, it's so much better. Or if it's under your foot. Have you ever gotten vana under your feet? You got to take all those things out? Yeah. Or, or a thorn in your foot? Yeah, those things are irritating. It's very irritating. And so when you take those things out, it's the best that's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. The Holy Spirit takes out the splinters that you and I just cannot see, but it's irritating. There's something there. Just something's not right. And so the Holy Spirit will come to us and he'll inform us that this is, this is what is taking place. This is what you need to do. This is how you're going to do this. He's going to give you insight into your marriage because of those little things in there that you don't know what is happening. You don't know what is going wrong, but something is just not right. The Holy Spirit says, here it is. And it's not him. 
Here it is, and it's not her. Here it is, and it's not them. And you're going to battle with that. You're going to say, no, it is them. It has to be them. There's no possible way it's me. And the Holy Spirit will say, there's a splinter in there that we got to take care of. And you're irritated, not from them or him or her. You're irritated because of that tiny little splinter that's on the inside. You're unhappy. You're not satisfied. You're saddened. You're jealous. You want more. You wish they were like so-and-so. You wish he was like so-and-so. She was like so-and-so. You wish you had this. You wish you could have done that. You have this regret. And the Holy Spirit says, here's some things that I can take out. I will give you insight, and I'll remove that. I'll help you in your finances. There's some small splinters there I can help you with. I can help you in school with friends and, 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 and people. I can help you. There are certain things that I can take out. There are things in your life right now that it's, it's, it's in your workplace. There are small little splinters there I can take out. I can help you with that. And it's the Holy Spirit that will inform you because he came to protect you. He's protecting you. And we don't know what the Holy Spirit may be protecting us from. could be anything. But he's the one that does that. He'll inform you. And he will protect you. He will protect you when your mind goes astray. He'll protect you when you're thinking impure thoughts. He'll protect you when it's like, oh, I just want to click that. I just want to see what that is. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, no, 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 that's not you anymore. The Holy Spirit will speak it because he loves you. And he sees your future and he sees my future. He can see what's coming up. He will speak it to you. He will show it to you. That's how good the Holy Spirit is. Tonight I pray that we would just receive from the Holy Spirit all the goodness that comes with it. All the benefits that come with the person of the Holy Spirit. That hopefully in these past weeks if you were here that, that you understand a little bit more what it means to be filled with His Spirit. And it doesn't mean we've learned it all. There is so much more. But I would pray that you keep hungering and thirsting after the Holy Spirit. Because like clay, we can become hardened. Let the Holy Spirit pour out onto your heart, into your life, so that it's moldable again. And the longer we walk with Jesus, the more dangerous it is that our hearts become hardened. May it not be so. May we let the Holy Spirit fill us afresh. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads. Holy Spirit, thank you for being our helper the advocate, the one that comes alongside, the one that supports, the one that sees beyond what we can see, the one that will give us insight, the one that helps us to worship and glorify God. Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Make us new again. Water us with the word. Wash us with the word. Holy Spirit, speak into our minds and our thought process and how we do things, that we would do what Jesus did, that we would be empowered up from up on high from you, that, that we would do the impossible, that maybe there's a splinter there of unforgiveness that we need to forgive and it will only come from you. Maybe there's a splinter there of jealousy where only you can give us insight and, and take that out. Maybe there's, there's, there's a splinter inside of us that is deep down inside that maybe you got to rip through some flesh and get to that splinter but when it's taken out oh the joy that comes after and although we may go through painful moments there is joy right after that 
because you see what's better for us. I pray for our marriages, Lord, that if there's struggles in our marriages, that if there's a splinter there, Lord, that you would identify that and take that out, replace it with something that, that heals, replace it with your spirit. If there's something in our workplace, Lord, a splinter there, then that you would remove that. Let us be a part of the bigger picture, not just working, but reaching people for you. I pray for all those that are in school, Lord, whether it's in, in high school or elementary or, or college, that you would empower them to be a beacon of light, of hope. Because this world needs hope. And whatever splinter that is that's holding us back, that you, Lord, would remove that through your spirit. Lord, we thank you for giving us the helper. May we always let the helper help. He's going to inform us, and he will protect us. We're just so grateful for how much you love us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. You receive that tonight. I pray that we do. I pray that we do. Part of tonight, um, if you see this question mark back here, you're probably wondering what that is, and it's almost subliminal. <laughs> yeah, I caught that. If you look at the Holy Spirit and what He does, He will show you things to come, but sometimes you don't know what's coming up. Sunday, we're kicking off a brand new series called How to Prepare for the Unknown. And we don't know what comes up in our world. We don't know what comes up in our lives, or we don't know what's going to happen in our marriage, in our family. Sometimes we're blindsided or a tragedy happens and we're not prepared for it. Well, the Lord is going to show us how we can prepare for the unknown. So I'm inviting all of you to Sunday morning and it's just going to be a great time. We're going to kick off this Sunday, okay? Let's stand tonight as we sing our final song. And as we sing this, may this be our prayer, that we are no longer the old person, we are made new. Let's sing our final song tonight. God bless you guys.